0: Well, good morning, morning. and Merry Christmas. Christmas. Isn't it so nice to be able to say that? We're past Thanksgiving, we're in the month of December. Are you guys excited? It's Christmas month. We have a whole month to celebrate Jesus, amen? Amen. Hope you're pumped about that. If you're a guest, we're so glad that you're here. In fact, right after the service, I'll be through those doors, which is where the coffee's at. I'd love to thank you for being here, those of you that are joining online, uh, as we kick off our Christmas sermon series, which... Spoiler alert, it's going to be all about Jesus, okay? <laughs> because that's what this church is all about. Uh, one quick thing, I just want to say uh, how proud we are of all of you. The, the way that you guys responded to the Key of Hope Choir, uh, the, the donations that came in were just absolutely phenomenal in what we were able to do and uh, help them, set them up for a successful choir tour. So I think you guys should all give yourselves a huge round of applause for just <laughs> being incredible. But it is Christmas, and we have this whole month, think about that, one twelfth of of our entire year, where everybody celebrates this holiday. Think of that. I mean, think of all the the, the places and even the townships and maybe cities that that you live in that do events, and they do Christmas tree lighting ceremonies. How many of you, you know about this, right? You can see this... I mean, everything. People decorate. They put lights on their homes. The city of Rochester decorates every single one of the outdoor buildings. Everything in all directions is all aimed toward Christmas. But is it possible that even within this month, that even the fact that, that for many in our area at least, we still refer to this as the Christmas season, that we can miss it? That we get so just overwhelmed, we get stressed, there's meals, there's family dynamics, there's shopping, that we forget, even in our own lives, to maybe just pause long enough to take time to reflect and remember what it is that God has already done for us through His Son. Jesus Christ, and what a powerful reminder that we have to have an entire month to be able to do this. Well, a few months ago, I had a friend that called me, and uh, he wanted me to go to a concert with him. How many of you, you like going to concerts? Wow, that was a lot of people at the nine o'clock too. Uh, I gotta have to be honest with you; I hate going to concerts. Is anybody else like me? Oh, I, okay, I do have some friends here this morning. And I don't know what your reason is, but I, for whatever reason, just the idea of waiting in long lines—I mean, first you got to find a parking spot, and then once you, you know, finally get there, you got to wait to go through security, and you just feel like cattle, you know. And you finally get in on the other side, and there's lines everywhere. You ever notice that? And so uh, he said, hey, "I really want you to go. I really want to. I really want you to be part of this concert." And I was like, "I don't even know who this person is. Like, I don't know who you're." You're, you're wanting me to go, and so he sent me a couple songs, and I was like, yeah, I recognize those songs, but I don't really recognize the artist. And I don't know if any of you would recognize this dude. Does anybody know who this is? Any of you listen? Nobody? Do you guys listen to country music? Oh, yeah. Whoa, whoa, that was mixed. <laughs> is it Jason it's not Jason Aldean, but someone guessed that at nine as well. Who knows who this is? So he sends me a couple songs, and I see his name, and I said, who is John Pardy? And he goes, for crying out loud, his name's John Pardy. And he sings a song about having mud on your boots, right? Uh, and he talks about having, what is it, on your wheels. I have a little mud on my boots, and I have a little dirt on my wheels, but I'm still going to go home after my work shift and grab my girlfriend or my wife and take her out dancing. Those are, that's a country song, right? That, that seems to fit the bill. <laughs> so here we are at this country concert, and I'm watching, because this is what I do, I people watch, and I, and I love watching the movement of people, and I see people waiting in these enormous lines to buy an $18 beer. And I look over to my right and I see these lines coming out of the restrooms because they're ordering these large beers and, you know, because, <laughs> and I see the women's restroom wrapping around the building. In fact, they've actually even put uh, porta johns just for the women and the lines are still super long. And I just, for whatever reason, I had the thought that when we go through our building renovation here, that we need to be conscious of that. That we should have three times as many restroom stalls for women as we do for men. Don't you think? That to be true, yeah. But here's the thing: are people really going to this concert because of him? Because most of the people there aren't gonna meet him. Thousands of people are at this concert. Or are they going there to hear the music that he plays? They don't have a connection with him. There's no relationship with him or any other artist or celebrity. And yet people flock to these things. I could not believe the level at which people were singing out the songs. At one point, I looked over at my friend, and he literally had his hand on his heart, and he had his other hand like this in the air, and he's just in the moment. <laughs> See, I'm just laughing, going, "This is what I love about Shepherd's Gate. This is what I love about our church is that we are a singing church. Did you know that? So often, because I get the privilege of sitting in the front row, I'll just close my eyes and I'll just listen to you sing the praises of our God, and how majestic and awesome he really is. But again, what's in a name? What is in a name? I watched Jerry Seinfeld do an interview once, and he was talking about his career and all the, the, the time and, and years that he spent as a, as a stand-up comedian. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, people, when they buy tickets and they pay hefty prices to come and see me, He said, they're not actually coming to see me, they're coming to watch Jerry Seinfeld deliver jokes. And if I ever stop being able to deliver jokes effectively, people will stop buying tickets to come and see me do stand-up. And I thought, that is a very interesting perspective. Now think of this, when people come to church on Christmas, what is it that they're coming for? We move in here because we know this is a time of the season when, when people realize that something's stirring in their heart and, you know, maybe, maybe they've lost connection with the church or maybe they haven't been in person worship, they've been watching online and so they want to come back and, and have that feeling, that semblance of Christmas because it brings peace. Do you know that in uh, every church that attendance goes up for the Christmas services? In fact, more people attend Christmas services than they do Holy Week and Easter services. And do you know why that is? Does anybody know why that is? Guilt. Hmm? Guilt? <laughs> it's possible. Because think about it who doesn't like a baby? It's baby Jesus. And everyone wants to come out and celebrate baby Jesus. And they want to sing the songs. They want to to sing the Christmas songs. And so every church, there's a certain song list that you have to pick from every single year because if you don't, people will get very upset, won't they? And it's that time of year when you get to have an open flame. You get to have a candle. And how cool is that? But again, are we missing something? What is in a name? How about this? Do you know the meaning of your name? How many of you know the meaning of your name? Interesting. I said this at 9 o'clock and a bunch of people got out their cell phones and started Googling the meaning of their name. You Remember the third song that we just sang? It's a powerful song. It's what God declares for you. It's what God says of you, that you are his child. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, if the Holy Spirit has produced that faith, you are a child of God. Amen. And you are fearfully and wonderfully made and he so desperately wants to have a relationship with you this is his month this is actually the whole year is his but what better time to lean into the presence and power of Jesus than in December amen Amen. so again as we look at this whole concept of Christmas what are you going to do How are you going to pause your life long enough? Maybe cut some of the distractions out and some of the stress and the worry that that you've put on yourself to remember what all all of this and everything going on out there is really all about. And that's what we're going to look at today. If you want to grab one of your chair Bibles, it's on page 573. Uh, We're going to be looking at Isaiah 9-6. If you brought your own Bible with you, great. We would encourage you to bring your own Bible from home. Bring it every single week so you can mark it up and underline it. If you don't have a Bible, please take one home with you today. We just got another shipment in this week. We love giving these things away. If you know someone that could benefit from having a Bible as a Christmas present, then take one home and give it to them as well. Uh, We just feel that this is the greatest gift that you can give anyone. Isaiah 9-6. Isaiah, think about this, something written 700 years before Jesus was even born. It's an Old Testament book. He's an Old Testament prophet. And so these are the words that he is communicating to the people of God at this time. Now to put this in context, the people of God at this time were experiencing hardship. In fact, there was people that, that, that that were struggling with their faith, There was wars taking place. They were worried about actually about being conquered. And so there there was a lot of stress and anxiety and uncertainty in their time, which I know none of us can relate to today, right? I mean, everything's so peachy out there and peaceful. No, really, the world hasn't really changed much, even in 2,700 years. And so here are the words that God gives to Isaiah to encourage, think of this, Not to chastise, but to encourage the people of God. And he says these words, and I want us to read this together. You ready? Let's read this together. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's an incredible promise, isn't it? That when you're struggling and you're wondering, God, are you up there? Do you exist? Do you know what's going on in the world? Are you not getting the headline news? Is there too many people in the world now, God? You're just too busy doing other things. Do you even care about me? See, these words are for you. These words are for me. These words are for all who God calls to himself. And as you look at these words, as you begin to break down this passage and just how powerful and uplifting it actually is, look at how it starts. For unto us a child is born. There's something so mysterious and yet so beautiful in this text that God would send his son to this earth, to be born a child, to have to rely on other human beings for those first pivotal years of his life. Isn't that kind of a cool part of the whole story of Jesus? In fact, in Philippians, it's written this way. Have this mind among yourselves. Remember this. Jesus was in the form of God. He existed before the creation of the world. He was with God when he created the world. Jesus was in the form of God, but yet he did not account equality with God as a thing to be grasped. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. We call this the incarnation, that God takes on human flesh. And it goes on to say in this passage that it's to us, a son is given. This son is a gift. This is God's gift to us. This is God's gift to the world. In fact, a few chapters earlier, Isaiah put it this way when he said, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Hey, by the way, God's got this all under control. He's had it under control from the very beginning. In fact, this is the sign. Behold, At some point in human history, there's going to be a virgin and she's going to conceive and bear a son. And in this one moment, in this miracle, in this act that will never be repeated again, God is going to send the Savior. God Almighty is going to send his one and only Son through the power of the Holy Spirit to be born a virgin. Parents, grandparents in this room, are we passing this on to the next generation? Are we inviting them in to the the beauty and the majesty and the mystery of what Christmas is really all about? Are we pausing our family schedules and our family calendars long enough? to make sure that they understand what this season really, truly represents and what it is that God tells us in his word. Look at what it says next. That the government shall be upon his shoulder. Isn't this the confusing part? What the heck does this mean? Anybody know what this means? It's actually kind (coughs) of cool because what it means is this. And Zechariah actually helps us out with this. That one day, when God the Father turns to Jesus and says, now is the time that you are to return to the earth once and for all and to bring those who have faith in me to be part of eternity with me, that you will truly be the King of kings and the Lord of ords and there won't be any more darkness, there won't be any more sin, there won't be any more death, and there won't be any more things that we will have to deal with that we deal with now. In fact, he predicts it this way. Zechariah the prophet said, The Lord will be king over the earth in that day. And I think we're getting there sooner, don't you? The Lord will be the only one. And look at what it says. His what? His name, the only one. Think how important names are to God. All throughout Scripture, Scripture, this incredible gift that God gives us in his son, but he also gives us his word and over and over again, the words that he uses to describe himself so that we know who he is. And when we know who he is, then we understand what it is that he does in and through our lives. You gotta love this. That's why it says, his name shall be called. And when God tells you to do something, it's probably a good idea to do it. Don't you think? When God says this is what his name is going to be, you can bet your bottom dollar that, is actually, that God is actually going to come through with his promises. And what's so interesting is how this actually parallels with the Christmas accounts we receive in the New Testament. Only two of the four gospel writers actually speak of the birth of Jesus, Matthew and Luke. Now, Matthew was one of Jesus' disciples, and he was a devout Jew. You would have known the scriptures, Old Testament, inside and out. And look at how he writes his account. Starting off in the very first chapter, he says, the birth of Jesus Christ took place this way. Hey, just so you know, this is how it happened. When his mother had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was a virgin, she was found to be with child from who? Holy Spirit. Well, her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Which you can't blame this guy. No one had ever seen a a virgin birth before. And even if he knew the Scripture, he knew of the Scripture, it's his own life. He would still be struggling with thinking, well, why, Mary, did you do this? And and I loved you, and here we're going to start this incredible family, and you go off and you do this thing. And so he's grappling and he's struggling with with what he's supposed to do next. And, And most men in that time when this took place, they would. They would just divorce their wife. And even with the integrity that this guy had, that he was willing to do it, quietly. So look what it says next. But as he's considering these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appears to him in a dream. He's taking a nap. I love it. And the angel says in the dream, Joseph, son of David. Let me ask you, when someone calls you by your full legal name, is it a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know how it is in your household. But growing up when my mom would say Timothy Roberts, that usually was not a good thing, right? But here, little words, this is a positive thing that the angel says, Joseph, son of David, do not fear. You don't have to fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She's going to bear a son, and you are to call his name Jesus. And why are you to call him Jesus? This is so important because he's going to save his people from their sins. The promised Messiah, all the Old Testament prophets, all that's been written. Guess what, Joseph? You get to be part of this incredible moment in history. The name of Jesus. It's so much more powerful than we even realize. And maybe as we start this month and we start this Christmas season, this is going to help us to truly understand how magnificent our God is. In fact, in Philippians, it puts it this way, that he was found in human form. And yet, yes, Jesus humbled himself and he became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Again, Everyone loves baby Jesus. The struggle that we have as a society is with bloody Jesus. People are fine coming to Christmas services. People are fine going to Christmas plays and eating Christmas cookies and going to Christmas dinners and doing all the other things that are pointed to during this time of the year. But you can't have baby Jesus without Jesus on a cross. Your Savior, my Savior, He saves us by dying. He was born so that he could stretch out his hands on a cross and the sins of the world would be placed on what? His shoulders. So that when he decided the time would come, that he would breathe his last breath and they would take his body and place it in a tomb so that three days later, God Almighty would awaken that physical body And Jesus would take that step out of that empty tomb and declare victory over sin and death and the devil for you and for me. Amen? And aren't you glad? We are so blessed that we get to live on this side of God's account. We get to live on this side. We get to know that reality. It's not like the people in Isaiah's time where they were just waiting and wondering, waiting and wondering, is this going to be the year, and is this going to be the year, and this is going to be the year. Imagine if Isaiah would have said, hey, by the way, he's coming, but he's not coming for another 700 years. He didn't tell them that. Just like God doesn't tell us when he's coming back. And sometimes that gets frustrating, doesn't it? I've had many conversations with God. I'm like, God, I think it's time. You can come back now. It's okay. I'm 45 years old. I've lived a good life, and it's all about me, so come on back, and let's just put an end to all of this. Some of you, I know that's what you're praying for, because you told me, wouldn't it be cool if I got to see the rapture, the resurrection of the saints? We're all waiting in anticipation for when that moment will come. And look at what it says here. Look at how it goes on to say, so that at the name of Jesus... Oh man, it's going to be so incredible. Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess what? Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. And he does all of it to give the glory back to his Father. Wow. Man, that's awakening what Christmas is all about. It's keeping our eyes so fixed on Christ and what it is that he has done for us. And so all month long, all of our services, as we look at how God describes himself, look at this first one, that he's a wonderful counselor. Are you in awe of God? Do you sometimes just sit back and go, I am just blessed more than I deserve? that God has done more in my life and that he has forgiven me over and over again. And even though maybe some things didn't work out here or there, in the grand scheme of things, when I pull back and I look, I can see the love and the grace and the mercy of God in my own life. I can see his hand at work. I can see how much he loves me. And as I was looking at this first description, this wonderful counselor, what I kept coming back to is the wonder of Christmas. Have we lost it? Have you lost it? Have you just gotten to an age where you're just like, eh, another Christmas. Eh, eh. I already know what Tim's going to say. I already know what Vicar Ben's going to say. And it's true because there's not that many Christmas scriptures in the text. Did you know that? There's not a lot of scriptures about Christmas. Do you know Why? because his death and resurrection are the centerpiece of what he's done for us. And again, who are we inviting into this reality, the truth of who our God is? And I know sometimes people will say, well, I, I view Christmas through my kids or I view ki- Christmas through my grandkids. This would be my challenge to you this year. What about you? What is it that God wants to reveal to you Where does God want to show up in your life and remind you once again that your name matters and that your life matters and that you are his precious child and he will do anything for you, including dying for you. That's how much he loves you. So how do we enter into the wonder and mystery of Christmas this year? What is it that the Holy Spirit would be speaking to you? The same Holy Spirit that was there the moment that the child was conceived in Mary. The same Holy Spirit that was there that raised Jesus from the dead is the same Holy Spirit that dwells and counsels and comforts you. See, I don't believe any of you in here are here on accident. And that the Holy Spirit is stirring something in your heart. And those of you that are watching online, you are not watching on accident. God is speaking to you in this moment, in this year, in this time. And he's reminding us that he's the wonderful counselor. That he's the mighty God. That he's the everlasting father. And by the way, he's the prince of peace. Amen? Amen.